hello again, everyone. Welcome back to the award-winning Cotton Companion podcast. Uh, it's been an interesting two weeks since we last visited with you. There's been a little bit of everything out there, ranging from uh, more dicamba news to the continued ups and downs in the market to a, a rapidly maturing cotton crop. And oh yeah, we've uh, as, as we're recording right now, we've got two big storms heading directly for the, the lower Mid-South, as certainly as we speak. Obviously, we've got quite a bit of things to discuss in this, the 78th episode of the Cotton Companion. I'm Jim Stedman, Senior Editor of Cotton Grower. And as always, I'm joined by Cotton Grower Editor Frank Giles. Frank, I'm gonna tell you, it's, it's a little strange to see these projected hurricane tracks for two storms and neither one of them seem to involve Florida. Yeah, we successfully dodged these two. And I, you know, you look at that map and the two storms coming across there. And if anything, you know, exemplifies 2020, that's it. So <laughs> you know, we're, we're certainly happy not to have them here in Florida, but we're thinking about uh, friends and family uh, in Louisiana and Texas, uh, that, that will be impacted. I have a, a brother and sister-in-law that live in Lake Charles, Louisiana, and they're making plans to evacuate. Uh, uh, they're, they're not looking to ride out a, a category three storm, uh, at 10 feet above sea level. So, so, uh, they're making the wise decision and, uh, hitting the road. Well, we're keeping our fingers crossed that they, they stay safe and all of this. We've got a busy program and, and joining us today for part of our discussion is going to be Dr. Don Shirley, who's a marketing and policy analyst, and he's also Professor Emeritus of Agricultural Economics at the University of Georgia, based there in Tifton. And it's been a while since Don's been able to join us. He's, uh, he's a good source. He's, uh, he's very knowledgeable in, in the market, and we certainly look forward to bringing you that segment. But now before we get started, let's hear a short message from our sponsor, Phytogen. Phytogen is pleased to sponsor the Cotton Companion, bringing you the latest news to help you thrive all season long. Well, as always, a big thanks to the folks at Phytogen for sponsoring the Cotton Companion podcast. And now we're going to take a few minutes and turn things over to our colleague Robin Sickberg for a custom content interview with Phytogen Cotton Development Specialist Ben Benton. Hello, I'm Robin Sipper, Custom Content Editor for Meister Media Worldwide, publisher of Cotton Grower Magazine. My guest on the program today, again, is Ben Benton, Phytogen Cotton Development Specialist in Kansas and the Texas and Oklahoma Panhandles. Welcome back to the program, Ben. Glad to be here, Robin. Our last interview, we talked about Kansas and its varying uh, growing conditions. And this time I want to talk about the Texas Panhandle, in, including Oklahoma, since you handle that area. So what kind of information can you give us about what you saw this season in those areas? You bet, Robin. Well, similar to Southwest Kansas, the Northern Texas Panhandle is dominated by irrigated cotton that's also shared with corn. We got to manage for earliness in those areas. We did have a, a tougher uh, spring in, in all these areas, really from Lubbock all the way up to Amarillo and, and north of the Panhandle from there. Very little of the dryland crop has survived. We just couldn't get a rain where we needed it. And, and again, that spans the majority of the region of the Texas Panhandle. Uh, and then we followed that up with a really bad uh, windy day in June that, that took out a lot of dryland acres and, and even some irrigated acres and set that crop back. But overall, we've had some rain now, and what is still out there is, is really starting to turn a corner and look good. 
never a dull moment. <laughs> what varieties did you see that you're particularly excited about this season? The main one I mentioned is uh, Phytogen 394W3FE. This variety was, was bred specifically for the uh, kind of the Lubbock to Amarillo area, uh, dominated by where you got to have verticillium wilt tolerance. And this is our new verticillium wilt ch uh, champion, really does a, a great job. Starting at the beginning of the season, this thing comes up like gangbusters. It really emerges strong. And in this part of the world, we just got to have a variety that will establish itself and do really well. And the phytogen lineup really is, is strong at that. This is an early mid variety uh, with excellent storm tolerance, and it's really easy to manage. So it, it's able to go behind some of those corn acres and not get away from guys where there's plenty of fertility and water. And then, of course, it's got, like all enlist varieties, it's got bacterial blight resistance, and this one's even got root knot nematode resistance. So it's a strong overall package for this area. The, the other two that we bracket that with, uh, our early variety that we use is Phytogen 250 W3FE, really uh, makes a nice early complement, and it's also got verticillium wilt tolerance and bacterial blight. And then finally, our early mid variety Phytogen 350W3FE is probably our number one planted variety out in this area. It goes dry lands to irrigated. We really use it on a lot of different acres and it's got a lot of yield potential uh, across the, the whole region. Well, that's excellent information. Now, thanks for sharing those varieties, Ben. And if growers want to get more information, as always, they can go to phytogen.com. Thank you so much for coming back on the program. Certainly glad to be here. Well, thanks, Robin, and thank you, Ben, for that interview segment. Before we bring Don Shirley into our virtual studio, there's, there is a quick update on the ongoing dicamba saga that we want to touch on briefly. Frank, can you kind of fill us in on that? Yes, the uh, dicamba drama continues. Uh, so a little bit of minor news on August 17th. The Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals did, uh, denied a petition by Bayer, BASF, and Corteva to overturn the original uh, June 3rd ruling that vacated the registrations for Extendimax, Ingenia, and Fexapam dicamba herbicides. The uh, companies had asked for this review of the original decision, citing that the judgment was unfair unconstitutional and required a full judicial review. Um, but that, of course, was denied by the court. Uh, should the companies decide to take it on up higher or up the ladder, the next stop would be the Supreme Court. Um, Jim, I'm not sure they would go there. Uh, maybe just focus on those new labels. What's your thoughts? Well, let's, let's think at this point that that's probably, probably the case. Uh, I think the re-registration is, is probably of more importance at this point and certainly more timely because there's no guarantees how quickly you could get, uh, get a case heard before the U.S. Supreme Court at this point. So I would, I would think, uh, Will, they, they, they gave it a good shot and uh, they, they made their arguments, but let's move on and see what we can and can't do with these products next year. Absolutely. Uh, the Cotton Board recently held its 2020 annual meeting, and they voted on their 2021 budget for Cotton Incorporated and allocated $80 million. They have submitted this uh, budget proposal to the Secretary of Ag uh, for approval. 
This is about $8 million less than last year's budget. The 2021 budget remains focused on key areas of sustainability, product innovation, farm profitability, all important these days, cotton seed value, and lint contamination. The Cotton Inc.'s uh, largest cut of the budget will come from their consumer marketing. Well, thanks, Frank. And, and now, as we mentioned earlier, we'd like to welcome Dr. Don Shirley, Professor Emeritus of Agricultural Economics for the University of Georgia, uh, to the Virtual Cotton Companion Studio. Don, thanks for taking time to join us today. It's been a while since we've had a chance to visit. How have you been and, and how have you been spending these last, last five months? Well, we were supposed to be sheltered in, right? So I should, the, the politically correct answer is that I've been following all instructions. Um, but I've been fine um, sheltering in, and I also had two courses that were, uh, had to be switched and taught online. And that, was, that ended up to be a tremendous amount of extra work. But we got through it. Everybody's safe and sound, both the students and my family and myself. So, um, you know, still, still keeping busy. And I, I appreciate the y'all inviting me back and having the opportunity to be back on the program. It's an honor to do it. Well, we're definitely happy to have you back. Are you still doing the classes you're teaching? Are you doing those in person or are you still doing those virtually? Uh, we're in person right now. Uh, okay. Some classes have gone uh, kind of a mix between face-to-face -face and online, and some have gone completely online. But fortunately, uh, my two classes, we were able to to go both of them both completely face to face so it's it's uh it's working out good and i'm and i'm thankful that we were able to get it done that way sounds great well there are a number of things we want to talk with you about today uh and let's start with the latest crop progress report that was issued uh yesterday afternoon that's august 24th what did we find out from this week's report where is the crop looking promising and 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 where isn't it looking promising right now well, the um, crop report really, I mean, the conditions are, at least in my opinion, are really a mixed bag. And, and you look at various things that have been written about it. Uh, for example, um, the Texas crop uh, in the latest report was 29% uh, good to excellent. That compares to only 27% to only the week before, so we're up two percentage points there. But 37% of that Texas crop is rated poor to very poor, and that compares to 33 a week earlier. So that's a mixed bag. I mean, it's the crop is doing better in some areas, obviously, but not in others. So overall, I wouldn't call that a uh, a very good report for overall in terms of Texas. Uh, and, um, you know, even if you look at the U.S. as a whole, which is obviously driven a lot by the Texas numbers, but if you look at the U.S. as a whole, 46% uh, was rated good to excellent compared to 45 the week before. That's a little bit of an uptick, but again, 25% was rated poor to very poor compared to 22% a week earlier. So um, it's doing well, but again, it's a mixed bag. So I, I would interpret that as, as it's, it's doing better in some areas and not as good in others. Sure. Now, 
being there in, in, in Georgia, particularly there in that Tifton area, how's the crop, in your opinion, how's the crop looking in, in that area? Our crop is, is looking very, very good. And we've had more rain this week. Um, you know, as, as y'all might recall, you know, we have a tendency, and it's not completely uncommon for us to plant a lot of cotton. Well, not a lot, but a decent amount of cotton in the, in the month of June. Uh, that's not uncommon for us at all. It happens every year. So the rain that we're getting here later in the season is going to be a tremendous help to that late planted crop. And the crop overall looks very well. I think uh, latest crop production numbers from USDA uh, this month showed us that a little over two bales, over a thousand pounds per acre. So, um, you know, you were asking where the crop looks good and where it doesn't. Again, Texas is a mixed bag and the market's reacting to that. Um, there are quite a number of states, and we won't go through the list, there's quite a number of states where at least 10 to 15% is in that poor to very poor. So in, in, a, in a lot of states, you've got a portion of that crop that just continues not to do well at all. But if you look here in the southeast, I'd say overall the southeast is probably in the best uh, you know, condition of any of uh, anybody. North Carolina might be a little bit of an exception, but overall the southeast crop looks very strong, I think. Sounds good. Well, the market, let's, let's take a look at it for a minute because it, it still seems to be dancing back and forth depending on, on the week. Uh, the August supply demand report uh, came out uh, about two weeks ago and it was, it was still on the bearish side. Uh, what kind of movement have we been dealing with in terms of the market? Are we, we settling into a comfort zone with prices right now? And, and are there any bullish signs out there that people can sort of hang on to? Well, right now, the way the, the market has really ticked up the last uh, week or so, if, if, if you, if we were, to have been doing this podcast a week or two ago, I would say we're, the market's in that comfort zone. And, and by that, I mean somewhere in that 61 to 63 cent area. But we've, we've broken through 65 now. We closed it. We were at close to 66 yesterday uh, before the market closed. Um, and, you know, I, I think the market's trying to to build some potential based on these this mixed bag of a crop report, as I said, and also the storms that we've got still to still got um, Laura to come in later this week. So um, the market's building building some strength based on those unknowns. But you know, you talked about a comfort zone and. You know, I'm trying not to be pessimistic with growers. I try my best not to do that, but I want to remind them of this. The market, first of all, reacts to what it thinks is going to happen. Okay, we, we don't know what this U.S. crop's going to do. We don't know what the, U, the Texas crop is going to do. It's better in some respects. It's not better as it was a week ago in other respects. And we've had two storms. We've had Marco come ashore now, and uh, and now we've got Laura coming in. The market has strengthened based on what it anticipates 
will happen. And then the market will adjust based on what actually happens uh, this week and next week. So the market's showing some strength, but I, I want to remind growers that the market giveth and it taketh away. So um, it's showing some strength right now, and hopefully that's going to be sustained as we get further into into harvest. But, um, you know, everything's riding on the crop and the uh, export reports. Very good. Well, Don, Don, what's the uh, world situation look like right now? The demand or use continues to um, to uh, be an issue. I'm looking here at the August numbers, um, and you know, world use is down to just barely over 113 million bales now. Uh, and what happens? And unfortunately, this is becoming a habit. Um, Whenever the USDA reports come out, each month kind of success kind of takes more and more of a cut out of the use. And so, in other words, the demand has gotten weaker based on the numbers uh, over time. And, you know, what used to be 116 million bale use, for example, now is down to just over 113. So, um, the market has has weakened, and and we all know why. It's because of the COVID and other problems associated with that as part of the reason. But the use continues to be a problem, and production's going to be, you know, four 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 and a half million bales more than use this this year. So we're going to continue to build stocks. So those are all issues, and um, you know that that's my concern right now. So uh, the smaller U.S. crop is uh, giving us some strength right now or the uncertainty with the U.S. crop and the fact that our export sales this past week were a great report. That's given us some strength right now, but we still got some challenges as we look down the road. Good deal. Staying on the global stage, have you been following the flooding in China and what, if any impact is, is that having on cotton production there and textile uh, facilities? Uh, it's been a pretty, pretty nasty flood. Yeah, uh, actually, if you look back, um, the flooding in China has been in the news um, really since at least mid, mid July. Um, they've had problems and issues over there with, with flooding. Um, I read run one report where I think three dams have been breached. Um, so the excessive rainfall and flooding in China has been in the news for, for over a month. Um, but I haven't seen or read anything specific to cotton. Uh, I have seen some news reports about uh, some factories and plants being damaged and being shut down and losses associated uh, with that um, and other reports that said that the flooding was going to cause um, some delay in China, you know, successfully continuing to try to manage the COVID-19 situation. So um, I haven't seen anything that specifically relates to cotton. And as a matter of fact, um, if you, look at the current numbers uh, in terms of China's 
production and so forth, um, those numbers are uh, pretty much the same as, like the August number was the same as the July number. So USDA is not showing any reduction in China's cotton production yet. So, um, you know, there is flooding going on, but nothing specific in terms of impacts on cotton. Well, Don, I've got, I've got one last question for you. Now, it's a question that I know you get asked a lot from, uh, from growers and, and folks in your area. Uh, if I'm a cotton grower right now and I'm, I'm still hanging on to a little bit of last year's crop and, and I've got a promising crop in the field right now, what should I be looking for and what should I be doing in terms of marketing right now? Can you kind of walk me through some of those options? You know, there is some old crop still out there. One of the things that concerns me, and I've been watching this, our, our basis, even here in the southeast, where we typically run a fairly strong basis, our basis has just really fallen out. Um, if I recall the numbers, uh, our current basis is about um, 350 points under October. Um, you know, there was a time there for several, several years where we ran a strong positive basis here in the Southeast, but um, that has disappeared. And even though the market is showing some strength, um, you know, the weak basis is really going to take a hit on that. And um, if I were a grower and still have had some of last year's crop, if the quality is good and if you can get a basis quote, a good basis quote on that, um, then I would be tempted to, to move at least um, half of that on, on this rally that we've got going right now. Uh, I just don't see any reason not to, particularly if the quality is good, um, given the storms that we've got coming in this week and the concerns that that might have on the quality of the Delta crop. Um, you know, if you've got some of last year's crop and it's got good quality, um, if you're able to get a good basis quote and a good quote on that, I would, I would certainly take advantage of this rally that we've got going on right now. Okay. Cause I don't, I don't think there's any indication of the way the market has been going this year. Uh, no indication. We're going to, we're going to jump up anywhere near 70 at this point. So uh, take advantage of what's, what's being offered, basically, correct? Well, on at least part of the crop, yes. I mean, yeah. this is, you know, this is a rally that this is a rally in price that we have been hoping for. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, growers have been looking for an opportunity for something stronger. Well, here it is. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you still got some of last year's crop and, and uh, missed the market, better market opportunities mm -hmm. on that, here's a chance to at least let some of it go on this uh, rally that we've got going right now. Well, Don, with that, we're going to wrap, uh, wrap this discussion up for this segment uh, in, this, in this episode. I, I certainly appreciate you and, and thank you for taking time to join us today. It's been great having you back on the Cotton Companion, and, and let's make sure we can do this again sometime soon. Well, it's my pleasure. Like I said, it's an honor to do it. I appreciate everything that you guys do and keep in touch. I'm glad to Glad to be on the program anytime. That's great. Well, we're going to count on you to keep the uh, keep that South Georgia crop in in good shape. Looks good right now. Well, that 
pretty much wraps up another episode of the Cotton Companion Podcast. We want to thank again, uh, Dr. Don Shirley for joining us in our virtual studio today. And thanks to the folks at Phytogen for sponsoring us. And thank you, dear listeners, for joining us. If you like what you hear on the Cotton Companion, please be sure to spread the word and tell your farmer friends about this podcast. And here's how you do it. You can find the Cotton Companion in three easy ways. First, go to cottongrower.com forward slash companion, or simply click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. Second, subscribe to our channel on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts these days. And three, sign up for our weekly e-newsletter, The Cotton Grower E-News, that's delivered to your email inbox every Tuesday morning. You can do that by going to cottongrower.com forward slash subscribe. Also, be sure to follow Cotton Grower on social media. We are at Cotton Grower Mag on Twitter. And on Facebook, you'll find us by searching for Cotton Grower Magazine. A quick note, our August-September issue is now at the printer and should be hitting your mailboxes here in a few weeks, so please be sure to watch for that. This podcast is produced by Tyler Hatch and Kim Henderson, our talented colleagues back at the mothership Meister Media Worldwide in lovely Willoughby, Ohio. My name is Jim Stedman. I'll be back with you here in a few weeks for the next episode of The Cotton Companion. And for now, on behalf of my own cotton companion, Frank Giles, we wish you all the best and stay safe. Yeah, he works and he works and he works and he works all day. God made a farm. Yeah, he works and he works and he works and he works and he works all day. God made a farm. Phytogen thanks you for listening to this edition of The Cotton Companion. To learn how you can thrive with Phytogen, go to phytogen.com. Whoa.